0: If Seattle had a tech sister city in India, where would it be? Hyderabad. Hyderabad. Hyderabad.
1: Microsoft has been there for a while. Recently Google has... That's that. where
2: Amazon's India building is. Uh, we have co-workers there.
1: Hyderabad.
3: Washington has the fastest growing population of Asian Indians in the U.S., and in Redmond, one in 10 residents is from India. KUOW reporter Liz Jones recently traveled to South India to report on immigration trends that are shaping life in both places. In our first story, we take a look at the rise of Hyderabad, India. It's a tech boom town that's practically a sister city to Seattle. But as Liz Jones reports, the rise of tech there is also causing growing pains.
0: I'm here standing next to a highway outside of Hyderabad, India on the road leading out to the airport. It's a fairly new road, smooth, well-paved, and right along the side of the road are huge ancient boulders, some of these like three, four stories high. And off in the distance, you can see Hyderabad growing and sprawling out into the outskirts of town.
4: As you see this road that goes sort of snaking down, this was not here five years ago.
0: Dewey Ahmed's a marketing manager at Microsoft's Hyderabad campus. Outside her office window, you can spot construction cranes in every direction.
4: It's amazing the spur of growth in this corridor that's occurred in the last eight or nine years.
0: How much do you think Microsoft is responsible for that?
4: Well, I mean, Microsoft's presence in Hyderabad and in India, for that matter, is obviously noticed by many and people are aware, are very aware of our existence in this country and the work that we do. Um, Certainly in Hyderabad, we're seen as one of the thought leaders.
0: Microsoft, in fact, was one of the early pioneers that helped put Hyderabad on the global tech map. The company expanded here in 1998. Many others followed, including Amazon, Google. Deloitte, Tata Consultancy Services, Wipro... It's a boom town, and a city full of workers, from software engineers to bricklayers, have flocked here to be a part of it. This new growth is concentrated just a few miles from the old, traditional part of Hyderabad, in a new suburb called Cyberabad. And here, developers are literally carving away at an ancient landscape. I mean, as big as a house? Yeah. Oh, look at that. Oh my gosh. So That's why I brought
1: you here. You know, they used to call it the mushroom rock and, you know...
0: This is Aparna Rayapral. We're walking near a lake surrounded by huge, billion-year-old boulder
1: fields. Anything they build in Hyderabad, they have to blast the rocks. That's the expression. A lot of blasting occurred. This entire high-tech city is built because of this kind of blasting, you know.
0: Rayapral's a sociologist at the nearby University of Hyderabad. Part of her work looks at the transformation of this city, where she grew up. On our walk, you can clearly see where new meets old, where glass towers butt up against formations of balancing rocks. Some are protected as natural heritage sites.
1: So that's the road, which is bang in the middle of rocks.
0: Looking out at Saiburabad, Rayapral remembers how it was mostly just a vision in the 1990s. Local politicians wanted to create an international tech hub here to bring jobs, investment, and growth. It arrived like a monsoon. Later, as our taxi crawls through traffic, motorcycles and three-wheeled auto rickshaws weave past us. It makes Seattle's rush hour traffic look like a cakewalk. It's clogged. So just eight years ago, Was this traffic here? No,
1: absolutely. I used to take 10 minutes to get here, and there was a road just 10 minutes. Granted,
0: many of these people are commuting to jobs that didn't exist here until recently. But Raya questions Are we doing things the right way? We drive by shacks covered with blue plastic tarps. That's where construction workers live while jobs are underway. Pedestrians walk in the streets because sidewalks and public transit are both scarce. Like any boomtown, it's got growing pains. And in the race to build, Raya faults officials for short-sighted urban planning that focuses too much on the
1: business class. So they will of course say that it's created the job, the development, this is what Hyderabad is about. Yeah, it's good, but is it really trickling down? I don't think it is completely, you know. Recent World Bank data
0: supports Rayapral's observations. Last year in India's urban areas, the gap between rich and poor reached an all-time high. About an hour outside of Hyderabad, huge pyramids of red bricks border the road. Workers toss them into trucks with scarves tied around their faces to block the dust. These workers, and those who make the bricks, are a linchpin of Hyderabad's construction boom. Because if you were to peel back the shiny, high-tech facades on many buildings, you'd find a layer of brick and mortar underneath.
4: This is a kitchen. This is a bedroom inside.
0: A labor organizer named Ashela Krishna leads me into one of the workers' huts on this property where bricks are made. Most of the brick workers are migrant laborers from the lowest caste of India's society. They're called Scheduled Caste, or Dalits. Krishna works with a non-profit that tries to improve their wages and conditions. We sit on a small bed next to the campfire where they cook. Bania's eight year old daughter hangs laundry outside in bare feet next to a muddy walkway littered with trash. The girl's not in school because she doesn't speak the local language. They're one of the only migrant families around because it's monsoon season and the brickwork is on hold.
1: She wants to stay here her entire life. <laughs> it's depending on the owner. She
0: says she wants to stay because even though living conditions here are meager, it's better than her home village. Benia's wages fall far below the government-set minimum, and sure, she'd like more money, but she offers few other complaints about the job. That could be true, or she may just be holding back because a foreman is nosing around outside her hut while we talk. At many local brick kilns, Krishna says he often witnesses problems with exploitation, child workers, and bonded labor. And these red bricks they make, he calls them blood bricks. As we leave the hut, a group of six men in slacks and white shirts approach. One is the kiln owner. We ask for an interview. He's walking away. It looks like he doesn't want to talk to us.
4: <laughs> After some
0: tense back and forth, the owner relaxes. I ask him, how's business? Krishna translates.
1: A lot of boom is there in, in, in Hyderabad. A lot of uh, American companies and British companies are there. Amazon, Google, Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft. Every big, big uh, companies are there.
0: Then I ask if he pays his workers minimum wage.: Actually,
1: it's depending on the It's depending on the season, and it's depending on the boom of outside city. It's depending on the boom.
0: The answer: It depends. If development is booming in Hyderabad, he says, then workers can make more money.:
3: My native place.
0: This owner is banking on the boom too. Due to drought, he switched gears from rice and tobacco farming to the brick kiln. Rain is scarce, he says, but there's a downpour of tech.
3: Across India, about one out of every six college students pursues a degree in engineering or technology. Many then set their sights abroad. The U.S. has long dominated as the top choice, but is facing some new competition. KUOW's Liz Jones recently went to India to see how the map for tech graduates is shifting.
0: If you ask an engineering student in India about their career path, the conversation often leads here. Are you interested in going to America someday? Would you like to do that? Obviously. (laughs) Obviously. Kishan Kumar Singh and Sumit Kumar are computer science majors at the University of Hyderabad in South India. They're both 21 years old and both dress neatly in plaid shirts, jeans, and sandals. And just like waves of engineering students before them, they also see an American education as the best way to get ahead.
4: We want to go to U.S. to see how people work there. What is the difference? Why, Why the Indian crowd is wanting to rush to U.S. and all? Why they want to be there?
0: What's your dream job?
4: good company, multinational company, and Google, Facebook-like company.
0: Multinational companies are a fast-growing part of the tech scene here in Hyderabad. That includes Microsoft and Amazon, too. And young engineers crave these jobs. They're seen as a passport to a good career. Kishin and Sumit leave their shoes in the hallway and head into a computer lab, along with dozens more students. Men sit on one side, women on the other.
4: Basically, we are being taught here C and Linux.
0: Inside, I ask a few other students about their top schools for a master's or Ph.D. This is Carnegie Mellon University. And-
1: MITS. MITS. And New York. New York?
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: Carnegie Mellon. MIT. Stanford. Obviously. Then, Kishan tosses out another option.
4: Canada. We have listened a lot about that.
0: Canada, it turns out, has recently moved up in their ranks for Indians who study abroad. The U.S. is still the favored destination by a long shot. But recently, Canada has climbed into second place, overtaking the U.K. and Australia. Experts say the shift largely reflects immigration reforms in those countries, or the lack of it. And in Canada's case, it's intentionally set out to reel in this community, their skills, and their tuition checks. In the U.S., some lawmakers have proposed similar measures to entice more foreign students, But that stalled out amid a simmering debate about immigration reform. (laughs) Professor Chakravarthi Bhagwati draws a diagram on the classroom chalkboard. Bhagwati's taught computer science at the University of Hyderabad for 16 years. He's also director of the International Affairs Office, where he has a front-row view of study abroad trends. As we talk after class, Bhagwati says students have more options these days, but his advice has stayed consistent.
4: Oh, my advice is very simple, I'm biased. I'll say go to the U.S., (laughs) I'm biased, yeah.
0: When he went abroad in the 80s, so did most of his class, and nearly all of them are still in the States.
4: I guess it's like the uh, old spirit of the U.S. where uh, the frontier spirit, you would go west.
0: But with India's millennial generation,
4: Bhagwati sees a shift. If you want a blunt, short answer, uh, the interest has reduced.
0: A recent report about Indian students on U.S. campuses shows only a slight decline, but that's likely due to the global recession. So here's the thing. India is churning out a record number of engineers, including more women and lower-income students. They all have to go somewhere. If there's an oversupply, some will move to other fields. Plenty will still go abroad. But increasingly, millennials are considering a new option that previous generations
4: really didn't. And they're asking questions like this. Why should I go abroad? I'm here. I'm doing pretty much the same things that they do.
0: So they set their sights on the multinationals, like Microsoft, right here in India's Silicon Valley. Pool, foosball, chess, the game room on this Microsoft campus has a universal look. Except here in Hyderabad, there's also an Indian game called Karam. In the cafeteria, employees queue up for chai. Indian music plays overhead. Small details are different, but on the whole, it's a close match to the Redmond campus. This is Microsoft's largest development center outside the Redmond headquarters. Anil Bansali is managing director.
4: There you go. In
0: his office, he shows me a souvenir from Redmond, a beanbag chair that looks like the Windows logo. His former team in Redmond gave it to him when he left 11 years ago. He describes the transfer as energizing after more than two decades with the company.
1: Honestly speaking, I have actually India and the India Development Center right now to a large extent reminds me of Microsoft, like my early years of Microsoft.
0: He says he loves a small company feel here. It's like a young Microsoft. Across India, Bansali sees a tech buzz, jobs and opportunities that weren't there just five or six years ago and something else very attractive.
1: A lot of young talent very passionate, very energetic, and, like, you know, hungry.
0: And Bansali expects foreign companies will just keep expanding in India, because here there's a pool of talent any employer would want in their backyard.
3: Decades ago, when immigrants moved from India to Seattle, they used to ask each other, why would you ever go back? But now, a growing number do head back, often so their kids can connect with India. Today, we find out what it's like for some Indians who go home again. Liz Jones has our report. Picture
0: an American teenage boy with slightly shaggy hair playing drums. That's Apoorv Koti. But now listen. Apoorv sits cross-legged on his living room floor. His head swoops low to the beat of the tabla. It's a pair of hand drums used in Indian music. Apoorv took up Tabla after his dad took a transfer with Microsoft, and the family moved from Redmond, Washington, to Hyderabad, India. That was eight years ago. Apoorv is 16 now.
2: When I I moved here, I knew that I really didn't like being here and I wanted to go back. But when it really came down to it, it was just weird things, like the fact that they use Celsius here and not Fahrenheit. I would take issue with that.
0: Apoorv's parents moved back to India for two main reasons, Apoorv and his older sister. Like many parents who returned to India, they wanted their kids to connect to this place. It worked.
2: Now I have my really close friends and everything, and I've gotten used to it here. So,
0: Along with Tabla, Apoorv also plays electric guitar. Both instruments appeal to him.
2: Because they're two completely different instruments and used in two different um, worlds, I don't lean towards one more than the other.
0: That also kind of sums up how he feels about life in America versus India. He's at home in both countries, in both cultures. Well, for the most part, anyway.
2: In some regards, I'm still a little too American for my own good. What do you mean by that? I'm awful when it comes to language. here. <laughs> yeah.
0: What languages do you speak? <laughs> this is where you become very American, right?
2: This is where I become extremely American. I just speak English.
0: Most locals speak English, Hindi, and at least one regional language. Apoorv blushes a little, but English is all he needs at school, and with many of his classmates who also used to live in the States. Apoorv's headed to a Sweet Sixteen party later tonight. His mom, Biju, helps wrap the gift. She says these parties are a new craze here, inspired by the West. This family is part of a growing community in India, they're sometimes called expats, although repats might be more accurate since they're repatriating to India after years abroad. Many come when their kids are young so they can bond with family and the culture here. The Indian government estimates that every year up to 200,000 Indians move back. Many from the US, where Indians are now the third largest immigrant group.
1: So we can go to the base. Yeah, okay. So yeah, so that's Golconda.
0: And that's you see, we see three lakes here. Apoorv's parents bought a home in this high-rise building a few years ago. Some of the furniture also made the trip from Redmond. The coffee table, the side table, and the sofa. In the kitchen, the pantry stocked with food bought during a recent trip to the States. So you get almonds from Costco all the time. So you do a big Costco trip when you're there? Every time. <laughs> <laughs> and all these, the Nutri-Grain trail mix bars, Nature Valley trail mix. For Viju, domestic help is one perk of moving back to India. In Redmond, she cooked, cleaned the house, drove the kids around. But here, those tasks are easily outsourced. Now she has time to volunteer at a local school and to finally use the architecture degree she earned long ago at the University of Washington.
1: Masala, it's coriander seeds and dried red chilies.
0: After 15 years away, Viju is happy to be back. But she remembers it was a tough decision, and they had to time it just right. We always had this feeling that the kids should get uh, some exposure to their roots and their native, you know, their homeland. And I felt time was running out because as the kids grew older, then it would be harder for them to adjust. It was tough. The kids cried a lot. At school, it took them a full year to adjust to more strict and formal teachers. Ironically, Biju remembers adjusting the opposite way when she went to college in the U.S., where students put their feet on the desk and called professors by first names. As for her husband, Sarish, who switched to a Microsoft campus halfway around the world, he landed on familiar turf.
4: We continue to work with the same set of people, same product, same technical challenges. It's just uh, sitting in a different place, so there's no difference at all. Downstairs
0: at their sprawling housing complex with several high-rise towers, families gather to celebrate a holiday. Musicians play in the banquet room, which is next to the gym, swimming pool, just past the pharmacy and small grocery store. Biju's family lives in a gated community that's like its own tiny neighborhood and a hybrid of India and America, these communities are increasingly common here, with names like Orange County and Dollar Meadows. They spring up where multinational companies expand. That includes Seattle-based companies like Microsoft and Amazon. People who live here and can afford it tend to be returnees. Somehow, once you've lived there, you kind of tend to get along only with you know, similar people. Now these families share an Indian lifestyle very different from their childhood. Things have really changed. That's Aparna Raya She's a professor of sociology at the University of Hyderabad. She studies trends of Indians who move abroad and return, as she did herself in the 90s. She says coming home used to be such an ordeal in big and small ways.
1: When I came back in 94, I had one of those old-style laptops which had to be written in my passport that I was carrying a laptop back. Today you have all kinds of gadgets nobody's even looking at you. For the
0: past generation, a stay in the U.S. was a one-shot deal. Then you'd settle permanently in India or the U.S. But now, Raya Prahl says it's far more common for families to travel or completely relocate back and forth. India's government, technology, and economy have all made the return much smoother. But down the line, these expat families tend to hit another fork in the road. That's when kids finish high school and set their sights again toward the West. They're all American-born kids
1: with American citizenship. They'll go back to college, so are the parents going to follow them?
0: Like Apoor, for example, our tabla-drumming teenager. His older sister's already at UC Berkeley, And he'll likely head stateside, too.
2: My dream college is MIT. My realistic dream college is the other, like maybe Caltech or um, the University of Washington.
0: So will his parents follow or stay in India, where many who return say they feel a sense of belonging back in their homeland like nowhere else?
3: Of all the U.S. states, Washington has become one of the fastest-growing areas for Indian immigrants, But what happens to their aging parents when they live on the other side of the world? In Indian culture, aging parents traditionally live with their children, but that's changing. Our story takes us to South India to glimpse three different shades of the golden years.
0: At this home in the booming tech city of Bangalore, India, three generations live under the same roof. Two rambunctious kids and their weary parents, plus an 80-year-old grandfather, Raj Krishnamurthy. He's an eager host and keeps offering Indian snacks as we talk on the couch. Then he leans closer, as if to tell a secret.
4: Here in Indian customs, a father brings up his son with the hope the son will take care of him at a later date. This is the Indian culture.
0: His son, Sanjay, wouldn't have it any other way.
4: So he's kind of been there for me for everything. And now
1: I, th- I don't see it as duty. I just feel I don't have something if he's not around.
0: It's a lively home, with Sanjay's kids buzzing around, slamming doors. So what I was saying was... They all just take um, it in stride. Many Indian families all live together like this. But here, there's a twist. About four years ago, Sanjay and his young family lived in Redmond, near Seattle. Sanjay wanted to be closer to his father, so they moved back to India... His father protested. He thinks Sanjay can have a better life in the U.S. I didn't
4: want him to come. That was not only my wish, that was the wish of my wife too.
0: Raj's wife passed away when Sanjay was young, but she dreamed of spending her retirement in the U.S. Raj did try living in Redmond for a while, but it was tough to get around on his own he got bored and missed his familiar Indian lifestyle.
1: So then the only other option that was left to us was we'll move to India. We can adapt a whole lot better to India. Kids were still young,
4: so we're like, it's easy.
0: With a wink, Raj says he's not giving up hope that his son will eventually head back.
4: I'll be very happy, even if he goes to the United States after I kick the bucket.
0: This father and son also butt heads about another topic, old age homes. Sanjay's father wants to give it a try. He likes the idea of being around more people his own age. But Sanjay jokes that'll happen over his own dead body. To him, old age homes are not the Indian way. Mahadevan. Mahadevan.
4: Mahadevan.
0: Mahadevan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh. Mahadevan's thin face lights up as I get it right. He lives in a retirement community on the outskirts of Chennai, another huge Indian city. He points us toward a small building called the Canteen. It's time for tea. Yeah, tea is good. Mahadevan's 82 years old and neatly dressed in slacks and a plaid shirt. The milky chai arrives promptly and steaming hot. Mahadevan moved here a few years ago. His wife passed away, and his only son lives in the Seattle suburb of Kirkland.
4: Uh, that, uh, what do you call it?
0: Oh, the Space Needle. Space space Needle, not right Uh here. Mahadevan reminisces about a visit to the Northwest as he pours the tea between two silver cups to cool it.
4: And then into Canada, there's a town there in the mountain.
0: Oh, Whistler, Uh Whistler, yeah. (laughs) It's nice for vacation, he says, but India is home. Most of the 300 or so residents here live independently. The staff helps them out with laundry, meals, and trips to town. Mahadevan says most residents have children living outside of India, like this gentleman named Bala, who we met outside the dining hall. Where's your son and
4: daughter-in-law? They they all run away. Run away? away. (laughs)
0: Where to? Uh,
4: He's in Canada. Vancouver? Edmonton, Edmonton. Edmonton.
0: Bala also has no interest to live outside of India, or to follow Indian tradition and move in with relatives. He likes it here.
4: We have our own uh, jolly good life. (laughs) We have our own hobby. We have our own understanding we have our own friends retirement
0: communities like this that cater to globalized families are on the rise in India especially in big cities that make up India's Silicon Valley and where careers lead young professionals overseas India has the second largest diaspora in the world after China In his apartment, Mahadevan spends mornings reading six newspapers and copying notes into his journals.
4: For example, I'll show you one one classic metro.
0: He flips to notes about the London subway and a recipe for fruit salad. Occasionally, Mahadevan visits nearby relatives, and he talks with his son Ganesh often. Ganesh helps cover costs here, about $200 a month. They're used to this arrangement, Ganesh has lived in the U.S. nearly 30 years. You must miss him sometimes. I know,
4: that is true. But uh, now we are used to.
0: Times change, he says. It's natural. Yeah. So here, this is convenient for ah, you. Yes. Yeah. And there, yeah. it's convenient for I Ganesh.
4: God. Yes. Yeah. See, people will not accept, many people will not accept this fact. But this is the actual fact.
0: Mahadevan's sandals flap on the walkway as we head to the Hindu temple. He goes here twice a day. Inside, a priest dabs our foreheads with ash. then Mahadevan quietly sings along. Singing, it turns out, is a new hobby he's discovered here. That's Jackie, a yellow lab. He belongs to Roshan Jacob, back in Bangalore. Jacob runs an in-home health care service for seniors, mostly those with children abroad.
4: I can provide uh, live-in nurses, or even if part-time also, or daily visits, monthly visits, weekly visits, whatever visits. You name anything under the sun, in medical, I can do it in the house. Okay. And he sends updates to
0: the distant children. It's a service that offers sort of a middle ground between retirement homes and everyone living back together. Jacob started this business about 15 years ago and now has about 500 caregivers on staff. He firmly believes seniors are better off in their own homes where they can keep up with their friends and hobbies. It's an idea and business model that's gaining traction across India. Still, Jacob says this approach can be a tough sell to children thousands of miles away where distance can sometimes weaken family bonds.
4: Okay, Most of the children okay, don't take anything as negative. Well, I'm sharing my experiences with you. They're simply not bothered.
0: Jacob's price for a live-in caregiver starts at $200 a month. He says some of the children, who often work for big multinational companies, balk at the cost.
4: They are under the impression that India is still cheap. None of the cares, caregiving uh, tasks are cheap. So you have to pay more to get this quality but children are not interested in that, long-distance caregiving.
0: He acknowledges senior living facilities in India are improving, and some are top-notch. But like many Indians, it's tough for him to shake an old stigma about these places.
4: Dumping your mother. Dumping. The word is dumping. The other other neighbor will say, oh, he dumped his mother in the old age home. Or the, your relative will criticize you.
0: Across Bangalore, back at Sanjay's multi-generational house, The kids wind down for bed. Grandfather and granddaughter tuck in on the couch. Sanjay thinks this arrangement keeps his dad active and healthy, and at a retirement home, he'd just watch TV and languish. Do you think is the best arrangement for your father?
1: I think it's the best arrangement for me. (laughs) Like
0: many families, they'll likely dance around this conversation for years.
3: Our stories travel between India and the Seattle area, as we explore the ongoing boom in immigration between these two places. In recent years, the Asian Indian population has grown faster in Washington than just about any other state. Many of these new residents work in high tech, often on a special visa program for skilled foreign workers. But as KUOW's Liz Jones reports, there's a hitch to this program that's pushed many women to speak out. Two young guys who work at Microsoft
0: face off across the table. Their challenge: who can eat the most pani puri, a popular Indian street food. Awesome. Awesome. Upasna Kone cheers them on, along with a few dozen people gathered in this cafe on Microsoft's Redmond campus.
1: Come on! This is a
0: fundraiser to help kids in India. Upasna helped organize it. She also took part in a test run before today's competition.
1: I chomped down like 20. You chomped down 20? Yes, yes, I did, because it's amazing. You should have one.
0: (laughs) Upasna's 26. She has a master's in business. And almost a year ago, she moved from Hyderabad, India, to Bellevue. Outside, Upasna and I stroll past a lot of Indian co-workers. She blends right in. Except the thing is, Upasna doesn't work here. She can't. Her visa only allows her to live in this country, not work here.
1: Some people don't understand the visa issue, so they constantly pit you against women of your age and say, hey, look at her, she's moving on. It's not that it's my personal choice that I'm not working.
0: The volunteer work is one of her main gigs right now. Upasna came to the U.S. after she got married. Her husband's an engineer at Microsoft. He's here on what's called an H-1B visa for high-skilled foreign workers. It's different than the one they give spouses. Washington State is one of the top users of this H-1B program. Last year alone, employers here requested visas for more than 15,000 workers.
1: But what about their spouses? It's almost like you don't even look at us. So, yeah, it hurts your self-esteem, your independency, it kind of kills your confidence slowly, but surely it does, it is.
0: The federal H-1B program allows workers to bring spouses and children here, but rules prohibit the spouses from working, even though many also have impressive resumes in engineering, science, or business. It's estimated more than half a million H-1B holders are in the U.S. at any given time. For their spouses, the work limbo can last up to 10 or 15 years. Upasna knew about the restrictions before she moved here, but she thought she'd be able to find an employer willing to hire her on the same type of work visa as her husband.
1: So I applied, I get regret mails. I read a lot of regret mails. (laughs) Though I know I wouldn't have got these regret mails if I were to be in India.
0: Upasna worked as a public relations executive in India. Her face lights up as she talks about her old job. It's clear she liked it. But there's another big reason she wants to keep working.
1: I want to help my mom, my grandmother, everyone back at home. They never talk about it, but it's my responsibility that I take care of them. That's something which I feel bad about.
0: Upasna is an only child, and in Indian families, that often comes with a strong sense of duty. Upasna knows women who've spent years in her visa situation. Some give up on careers and instead raise a family, do volunteer work, or get more college degrees. She's also seen women become depressed and marriages crumble. One option for Upasna is to return to India.
1: But you know, the question of going back to India, first of all, is morally, culturally, and socially unacceptable.
0: We have to respect the institution of marriage, Upasna says. So for her, for now, a long-distance marriage is out of the question even though she says her husband would support her in any decision. On a very rainy day in Pune, India, I recently met another woman who was in Upasna's same situation last year. Eventually, she did make the tough choice to live apart from her husband. We take refuge in my hotel to talk.
1: You know, everybody looks at it with a little bit of raised eyebrows because this is not normal. But what people don't usually understand is why we are doing it.
0: Because this can be a sensitive topic in India, she asked to only use her initials, RP. For about a year and a half, RP lived with her husband in downtown Seattle, then in Bellevue. They visited Mount Rainier and the San Juan Islands. But as the months wore on, RP felt her career as a computer engineer slipping away.
1: I didn't want to uh, like just compromise uh, so much and you know just give up my whole career. So that's when uh, we decided that I should move back and then we'll think what to do.
0: Time zones in India and Seattle are about 12 hours apart. RP and her husband usually talk twice a day. He's having his coffee and I'm like back from work and that's when we Skype. She says the toughest thing is just to miss out on the day-to-day of each other's lives. But surprisingly, RP says this frustrating time has brought them closer. They discuss options to live together in India or Singapore or any other place they can both work. RP intends this separation to only last a year.
1: It's a global world, and if we get a good opportunity somewhere else, we are always open to it.
0: The power goes out in the hotel, as it does several times a day. It's bad, oh. <laughs> that happen pretty often? Oh, it does, <laughs> throughout the year. And RP heads back out into the monsoon rain. Back in Seattle, immigration attorney Tamina Watson meets a lot of high-tech couples dealing with this issue. Specifically, the spouse visa is called an H-4.
1: There has been a consistent push to the administration to allow H-4 visa holders for spouses to have work permits. This push has happened for several years now.
0: The only real option for an H-4 spouse to get a job here is to switch to an H-1B work visa. But that's often a long shot. These jobs have become increasingly competitive. Only 85,000 visas are available every year. A few months back, the Obama administration drafted a rule change to allow work permits for some spouses. Then, anticipation built that Obama would roll the change into his executive action. Just days before the announcement, Watson outlined her expectations.
1: What we will see at a minimum, those people who have been waiting in the United States for a very long time and waiting in the line for a green card will get work permits. Uh, But what I hope to see, and I hope we actually do see, is that there will be a blanket work permit for all H4 visa holders.
0: What Obama announced was not a blanket. Watson says work visas are limited to those with a green card. It's expected about 100,000 spouses will initially qualify, then 35,000 more each year after. Back at Microsoft's main campus, the food competition winds down. Upasna knew that even if the visa rules changed, she could still be in for a long wait. So she hunts for a quicker solution, and sometimes, at night, wakes up her husband.
1: And say, hey, what if we move to UK? He's like, sleep! <laughs> I will like, Or go to Singapore. He's like, okay, we will talk about it.
0: <laughs> Lately, she's also got her eye on Canada. So
1: I have such dreams. <laughs> yeah, let's see.
3: bring you the final part of Two Indias Near and Far. It's a special series about immigrants from India in our area. They've become the fastest growing immigrant population in the country. And the pace of growth is faster in Washington State than just about anywhere else. One hotspot is in the tech hub just east of Seattle, near Redmond. But decades ago, the scene there was quite different.
4: People would stop me because I was wearing this long dress, Sorry, How beautiful your sari is. Everybody wanted to see my dress.
3: Meet the Rajguru family. They moved from India to Redmond in 1969, and there's a good chance they were the first Indian family to arrive there.
0: Way before Microsoft settled in Redmond, and before the main highway even extended this far, Devki Rajguru's parents moved her family here. And People thought that they were absolutely kookaburras. How could you move out to the back of beyond? Devke drives us toward her childhood home in Redmond. From the highway, she waves out to where the neighborhood kids used to ride bikes. We make ramps and go over stumps and in between trees. And That was here in this forest, which is now Microsoft. That is all Microsoft campus. It was virgin land. We cruise past the company's 500-acre campus. Devki lives in West Seattle now. She's in her mid-40s. She was just a toddler, and her brother was in grade school when they moved halfway around the world. So this is my hood. (laughs) We park near a quiet cul-de-sac at a split-level home with faded blue paint. So the street oh, wow. Devki's parents sold the home years back, but they lived here almost 30 years in full-on suburbia. So any other Indian families anywhere in sight here? No. No, we were it. We were it for Redmond. <laughs> we had a newspaper article done on us. The Raj Gurus are pioneers in a sense. They came here just a few years after U.S. immigration policy relaxed toward India. New immigrants flocked to big cities like New York or Chicago. But the Raj Gurus, they picked Seattle because they happened to know one American couple here. Long ago, that couple had visited India. They all met and stayed good friends. This tree and that tree are both... Devki says it was pretty easy to fit in here, but there were times it was tough to be the only Indian. Like one day at school, when a new teacher stumbled on Devki's name. I came home, I hate my name, I want to change it, I just want to be Stephanie or Mary or Kelly or Susie. (laughs) My parents were mortified, like, what's wrong with Devki? It's a beautiful name. (laughs) And then there was a major Hindu holiday every fall, called Diwali, when Devki's father would fill their windows with lights. It was like, oh my God, we're the only family with Christmas lights (laughs) up. Sometimes the lights went up before Halloween. Devki says people seemed to view them as interesting, not odd. But they were a novelty in Redmond for sure, leading the family to jokingly call themselves Four Raisins in a Rice Bowl. Four Raisins in a Rice Bowl.
3: Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Mom, Hi. this is my friend Liz. Liz. Yeah.
4: You eat first
0: and then we talk. All right, so Liz, this is my mom, the crazy old lady. <laughs> Ma Devkey's Devki's mom lives in a senior community oh. in Redmond. Devki's father me? passed away years ago.
4: Well, um, will we love it proper if you You know what?
0: Devki okay. helps her mom put lunch on the table.
4: What do you want to serve the with?
0: Then rifles oh. in the cupboard for one last item. I'm looking for... I guess Americans would call it chutney, but it's not chutney, it's
3: not loncha. It's different. We sit
0: down to a traditional Indian meal, some of Devki's favorites. This is potato. And then? The... And this is tur dal. Devki grew up on Indian food, but her mom, Madhavi, says ingredients were sometimes tough to find. It's gotten much easier. Okay. After lunch, Madhavi relaxes on the couch, the wall behind is a mosaic of family photos, including her many siblings and relatives in India. So, why did you want to leave India and come to the U.S.? What were your reasons? <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> we wanted to see the world. That idea percolated in the office where Madhavi and her husband both worked in India at the American Embassy in New Delhi. Oh, see this. They traveled here with just four boxes. Madhavi packed kitchen items and dozens of colorful saris. And here is the other one. She still has quite a collection. It
4: blows what it is here.
0: When the family first arrived here, Madhavi remembers some struggles and the way she sometimes felt. Not welcomed. Remember, it was 1969. The total Indian population in the U.S. at that time could easily fit in Safeco Field, where the Mariners play. Now it's around three million. Madhavi says some apartment managers in Bellevue turned them away, even though signs showed vacancies. But he's saying no vacancy for us. Eventually, once they settled in Redmond, Madhavi says they set out to find other Indians. They'd scan the Seattle phone book for Indian names, then call with their news. We have just arrived in the United States. That was enough to form a deep and lasting friendship back then. Or whenever two Indians cross paths, Madhavi says they'd stop to meet each other. In King County, the Asian Indian community grew slowly but steadily. By 1990, it totaled about 5,000 people. Then the Microsoft boom happened, and now in Redmond, roughly one in ten people are Indian. So now, when you're walking around Redmond, do you say hi to other Indians that you pass? I see so many Indians. <laughs> Madhavi says she still makes a friendly gesture, but unlike before, not everyone reciprocates. Nalini Iyer has made some similar observations about this community's growth. She's a professor at Seattle University, and she co authored a book last year about the experience of Asian Indians in the Northwest.
3: The number of people spiraling upwards has made this community difficult to know in a comprehensive way. And we had ringside seats to it so living on the east side. Iyer's
0: originally from Mumbai. She's lived in the Seattle area since 1993. In that time, she's watched the explosive growth of the Indian community, and as little India sprung up in Seattle suburbs, making it easier than ever for new immigrants who wanna keep
3: up their culture. The community is big enough, you can arrive from India, you could live in an apartment complex that is pretty much people from India. You go shop at the Indian stores. So it's a self-sufficient network these are all our spices right so fennels.
0: this is one of those indian grocery stores and it's my last stop in redmond with devki the store is tucked in a strip mall with an indian bakery indian video store and a pizza hut this is part of chat masala women chat in the produce aisle they speak hindi english and other indian languages Some wear bright Indian tunics, others are in jeans. Bollywood tunes blare overhead, cell phones ring, and everything just blends together. I'm Liz Jones, KUOW News. What are you gonna do with
4: all that doll? Uh, This is uh, to make idli. i you